Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake with myself, Pete Selby, and Rob Hayes. Hello and welcome to this episode of For Fox Sake podcast. My name is Pete Selby, and alongside me is Dave Rogers. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby. And next to me, it's Rob Hayes. For a change. Feeling very festive. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me, it's birthday boy Mr Rob Hayes. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake episode 38. My name is Rob Hayes and joining me on the phone again this week is Pete Selby. Pete, I've got two minor miracles to share with you. The first of which is that I'm in a 30th floor apartment in Sheffield right now covering the World Snooker Championship. And would you believe it is actually snowing? The second miracle is that Leicester are going to win the league. Your thoughts? Hello and welcome to For Fox 8. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me in the car park at the King Power Stadium (laughs) of all places, it's Mr Rob Hayes. Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby, and on the line is Mr. Rob Hayes, as it normally is. The century, the one hundred. <laughs> it is, it is finally here. That's the thing. I mean, I was, you know, what what do we do? Do we do we let off balloons, let off banners, you know, have uh, party poppers and all that? But episode one hundred. Here we go. We've done it. We've reached the milestone uh, of 100 episodes. So first of all, congratulations, Rob. Congratulations to us and congratulations or commiserations, however you want to look at it, to the humble listeners out there. You have ridden this ride with us for 100 episodes and we are not stopping now. It was it was massive odds that we'll get here. You know, more than 5,000 to 1, say, that uh, would actually get to uh, 100 episodes. Uh, but we have, and I think think you've been on the majority of them um you must be well into the 90s um and i think i might have done them all i think you've been on every single one i think this is your centenary and although i am the long-standing co-host of your good self i am i am only in the 90s I'd say somewhere in the, in the 90s, yeah, easily in the 90s. So um, a, 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 it's, a, it's a handshake across the airwaves to yourself and, uh, and, and well done. And it started from humble beginnings. Pearson in, Pearson out, where do you stand? One thing's for certain, he's a tough old cookie. It's only the first show, but there's enough in this episode to make you say, for fuck's sake, welcome. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake, a brand new Leicester City podcast covering all the goings on at the King Power Stadium. My name is Pete Selby and sat opposite me is Rob Hayes, both lifelong City fans and a commentary team down at the King Power Stadium. (music) 
Yes, that was the uh, the first episode, uh, which I do remember, actually. I, I was driving back uh, to Fox 8 headquarters uh, just uh, um, half an hour ago, and um, I was thinking about that first episode. We filmed it, we filmed it, we recorded it um, in in a stairwell, which sounds really echoey as well. It sounds sounds a bit bizarre, sounds horrible. But uh, wh- where was it? It was in uh, a an, a small office block in Nottingham. I was there for work. You were passing through, and um, I was delivering a training course at the time with uh, our good friend, boss, chieftain, uh, and <coughs> forest fan, Al March. Uh, and uh, we couldn't find anywhere that wasn't going to interfere with the training course or somebody else's office where we could record it, other than in a stairwell which is arguably one of the echoiest places I've ever recorded any audio ever. And somehow, from that very humble beginning, as you said, we managed to 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 mumble on, to, to fumble forward, and, and, and here we are. That was um that was the twelfth of February, twenty fifteen, would you believe? Yeah, and, and, and it's strange because I thought it was a, a lot longer. <laughs> I think further ago than that. Um there's there's a lot that happened before that in terms of the you know the football club in 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 the last few years I thought it must have been 2014 at least but but anyway I mean we try and do one a week it's not quite worked out that way and many people will probably be shouting right now going yes you're not doing one a week and you know we try and keep up to date with that but uh, yeah it's um I I don't remember what we spoke about on that day but all I know is that um you mentioned Alan March who um you were delivering a commentary course that was what you were teaching uh, the art of commentary and um and they set up a a forest podcast some would say our oh, sister podcast but uh, i just like to think that they're completely different because they are um i've actually been on theirs but uh, he's not been on ours which is how we're going to keep it um and yeah definitely and uh, and they're only into the 80s they're i think they're on episode 80 at the moment so uh, so we beat them to it it means that we're more efficient productive and of course all around better in every single way possible, and that includes the football teams. So there we go. <laughs> um, I'd say one nil, but it wouldn't be. It'd be more like three or four. Uh, so there we go. Episode one hundred. Now, um, obviously, we're going to have you know, huge plans for episode one hundred. Um, but obviously, with what's happened in the last few weeks, it's not really been kind of at the forefront of planning and this that, and the other. So um, what? I've decided, and I've not spoke to you, Rob, again, production meeting on air. Um, I just think what we'll do is that we'll make an extra special, maybe even a two-parter uh, Christmas edition. We'll, we'll really go to town on the Christmas edition, which we do anyway. The Christmas episode has been uh, really good with Christmas music, uh, games, and this and the other. We don't really talk about what's actually happening at the club at the time, but um, that we'll, we'll do an extra special uh, Christmas pod, maybe even into a two-parter, try and get other people in involved. I had great plans with this 100th episode. I wanted it to be all the voices that you've heard on the podcast before, maybe have some kind of like quiz competition or something. But I think we should really push the boat out for the Christmas episode um, and, and and we'll we'll do that. We'll definitely, definitely do that. Um, obviously, with what's happened in the last few weeks, you know, it, it just doesn't feel right. Yes, we are going to basically touch on the football. We're going to touch on the last couple of games and what's happened around the club. But again, on what we said in episode 99, everyone knows what's happened and everyone knows the same news as us. Um, 
but we'll give our viewpoints and we'll give our, our views on, on, on what happened over the last, say, seven days or so. And then we'll get on with uh, doing what we like to do normally, and that's um, create top ten lists, top ten moments. And uh, <laughs> and the top ten this week is going to be uh, our favourite moments from the time that we've been doing the podcast. And we've done them before for the season, top ten moments of the season, or top ten moments in your history. But this is just for the time... Um, that we've been doing the podcast and instantly three of my moments are before the first episode because yeah, I didn't realise when it was. <laughs> you'd, you'd already told me that you'd selected more than 10 because you were going to be greedy and, and hog all the limelight. So this is actually helping to to limit the amount of contributions that you can make, Pete, and actually put you down to the prerequisite of 10. I've picked 10. I've kept it to 10. I, I will cross off as we, as we go, as we go. Um. Okay, so what we'll do, um, we'll, we'll quickly talk about the Cardiff game, one 0 to Leicester, all the you know the, the, the situation surrounding the, the game. Uh, Gray scored, we should have had a penalty early on, obviously with Bamba, and then um, obviously the controversy with him being booked for taking his shirt off, which I didn't, I didn't notice. It, you know, he he took his shirt off. Yes, we know why. Um, I think most, virtually every player would have done the same because they had a message, etc. The look on the referee's face said it always. No, oh, I I need to book you because obviously that's the rules. Claude Puel very classic at the end of it, saying we were professional. The referee was. I've got not. I've got no problem whatsoever with him being booked for it um, by the referee. Obviously, then the week after, Sol Bamba t- <laughs> takes his shirt off, chucks it into the crowd, and doesn't get booked because the referee didn't see it. So, um, but there we go. Um, three points. A much needed three points for for many reasons. Um, first of all, they played the game, and then after the game, they went to Thailand um, to pay their respects, etc. And then it was the game against Burnley, um, which was always going to be, you know, emotional in many ways. Um, and obviously, and they had the the march beforehand. And I think at the end of this, and I was talking to a few um, people today who are who are Leicester fans who who don't normally go one actually went to the game uh, against Burnley the others uh, the, the others can't get there for for various reasons and um and they said the same as me um when it comes to uh what's happened obviously you've had all the floral tributes and and everything which was fantastic um obviously it was given out scarves the the program i have to say the the 100 page program is sensational it's very classy very classy and i think that's the right word i think classy is the word to describe the approach of Leicester fans, of the club, of uh, the owners and the chief executive in terms of giving days off. And and it didn't go over the top. Do you know what I mean by that? In the you know, it didn't ju- it didn't go one or two steps over the top in terms of what they were doing on the day against Burnley. Um, they had the video beforehand. It I, I think it was just and then and the lap at the end with Ranieri and Pearson etc. Um, it was it was just bang on. I thought I thought it was it was ju- it was done exactly right in a very classy way. Yeah, another word I've heard used to describe it is uh, is dignity, and I think that's pretty accurate. I think it served um, that the game was almost a, a triple purpose. Really, it was uh, to 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 remember. Vichai and the uh, and the other victims of the of the recent helicopter crash. It was the remembrance fixture as well, and that was kind of shown uh, almost in in two halves, really, with the with the shirt having 
uh, Vichai's name on it in the first half and then the poppy being um, put on for the second half. Uh, and then the end of the game, it was almost kind of like, right, we've done the the um, the emotion, we've done the video, we've done... Everyone's read the program with all the all the um, all the bits dedicated to Vichai from various players, staff members, etc. throughout throughout the club's history. Um, we've done the walk, done everything else, done the football. Uh, nil nil. I thought I thought we played better than than nil nil would have suggested, and and it would have been nice to have got a win, um, a deserved what would have been a deserved win. But the the bit at the end was almost like a celebration. Yes. Um, of course, Top was in in tears. It's emotional, uh, anyway. Going through grief on your own, let alone when you're sharing it with thirty thousand uh, other people. Who uh, incredibly, uh, there was hardly a seat to be seen. Everybody was, everybody stayed in the stadium, wanting to be part of that moment together. It was almost a little bit like group therapy, really. But although Top was in tears, leading the procession around the pitch, uh, and they came really close to the fans, which I liked as well. It almost felt with the way that all the, all of the songs were coming out as a celebration. It almost seemed to go from before the match, uh, sort of commemoration of of Vichai and the the others who lost their life. Second half, the remembrance um, got a bit more of a of a mention, and then post match, it was more of a celebration. So it was quite over a short period of time, really, from sort of eleven, twelve o'clock when the five thousand to one, which became fifty thousand to one, pretty much if you count the number of people there. Uh, from when that started to the end of the procession at the end of the match, it seemed like everybody had gone on quite a considerable journey um, from uh, to a point where it feels like things are starting to move on in a positive way rather than the sadness uh, and the mourning that surrounded Leicester in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It was... Um... It was it was surprising with the the walk. Obviously, we heard saw about it on online, etc. Um, I was amazed at the amount of people who went on the walk. Uh, again, I think that just proves that people who didn't have a ticket or don't really go to the football but still support the team because it's the one club city that it is um, went along and did the walk. It ju- it just shows you that people going and I've said this on on many different um, stations and many different times when people have asked me that. Um, it's a genuine response to this. This is not uh, people jumping on the bandwagon, etc. This it's a genuine uh, a thing that's happened at Leicester in terms of the flowers and the shirts and the scarves, etc. And it just shows you with that walk. It wasn't five thousand people. It wasn't ten, twenty thousand. It was upwards of fifty thousand people on that walk, uh, which is absolutely incredible. Again, from my position in the ground, um, I do like to take the standpoint because. We are quite right at the back of the press box and we're obviously doing the job. And one of the strangest aspects to the job, obviously this week, was describing what's going on. There was an awful lot happening from 2.30 onwards and our job at the ground is to audio describe for um, blind or partially sighted fans. So basically, we're talking people through what's going on on the field and who's who and who's doing what and... um, how, how does it look so when the video is going on and everyone's watching in silence i'm giving a description of what's going on so you know it was you know quite a thing to go through but also at the end with you know 10 minutes to go five minutes to go in the game we're not going to win we're not going to get that goal and how many people are going to leave and i was looking around and of course one or two have to because of travel arrangements or whatever but my god the amount of people who stayed at the end was unbelievable and uh, again just 
a very classy response from from the fans. And if we just touch on the game, uh, forgettable really, nil-nil draw, should have won. Vardy, another one cleared off the line. Um, we should have had a handball in the first half. I'm still none the wiser to why that wasn't given. The linesman was on that side of the pitch. It wasn't directly in front of Albrighton. It was a, a good 10 yards away. There was a player trying to block the ball. That would have been a penalty in 10 minutes. Um, we dominated the game. It was the only game that we've not scored in in the Premier League. We are the last team in the Premier League to not score in a game. And... and Yet it feels like that we don't have the firepower at the moment in in a strange way. Um, I didn't like the fact that they played all Brighton, Gazelle and Gray behind Vardy. Um, there's no link player there. There's no obviously Madison because he was injured. But Okazaki, I think it proves now that there needs to be that player between the midfield and forward line or forward man who can actually just put the foot on the ball and lay the ball off out wide. Just do the simple thing. Um that should have been Okazaki in that game. It wasn't, and it meant that the three players who have given the most freedom and the team is kind of based around to give them the best possibility of doing their thing, unfortunately, the three players were all Brighton, who actually worked hard and played okay. Um, Gazelle, who wasn't his best day, hit the bar with a header. And and Damari Gray, who at, at times beat players quite easily, but again... Flattered to deceive with his final ball or shot. So it's um, food for thought when it comes to that. But uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on, on, on the day, on the game? Yeah, it was it was always going to be a difficult one because um, I said on our 99th episode that uh, it might not be the, the best idea to go and play the Cardiff game. And in hindsight, I don't retract many things that I say, but in hindsight, it was the perfect... Uh, uh, the perfect way to respond really for for the Leicester players and Leicester fans to go and win that. But then coming back after the funeral to the first home game since it happened was always going to be another game of heightened emotions. And I think it, it I think it blunted the game a little bit. It was it was a bit scrappy at times. Maybe people's full attention wasn't on the football itself because of of, of very obvious reasons. Um, he tried it. He quite likes Gray through the middle, I think, Puel. Uh, the only reason he's not got more game time there is because of his own injury and because of Madison's good form. Uh, I just think, you know what, you take the point from that game. Um, you don't try and unpick it too much because it wasn't maybe a true representation of what the what the players in that particular system could do. Uh, I agree that the three behind Vardy there lacked real penetration, lacked somebody to, to link the play. Um, but let's just hope that that Madison and and Maguire, of course, at the other end of the pitch, have this international break to rest up and and can come back in sooner rather than sooner rather than later, really. But you know what? To get four points out of a possible six in the first two games after the uh, after the helicopter crash, I think I think those that were thinking about football beforehand would have absolutely snapped your hand off at at that. So I think on reflection. Now going into the international break, is I think this has come at a good time. We've had a couple of games, got um, got some bits out of our system, and as I say, started to look like as a club and as a city, we're going to move on from this. Uh, and and four points in the bag at the same time, I think is is decent. Two clean sheets as well, which can't go unnoticed. No, definitely, and and yeah, has has it ever in terms of international break? And uh, we're looking forward to the game on on Sunday against Croatia. Can't. Doesn't I don't care for the slightest against uh, the other friendly, but um, against USA. But this 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 uh, this international break really has come at the right minute. Um, 
yeah, so that's that's really the two games. And again, we'll move on. You know, we're we're a mid-table Premiership side, uh, Premier League Premiership side. Where that come from? Two thousand and three, saying hello, um, Premier League side. And uh, you know, we're looking to get from. How do we get from tenth place, eleventh, tenth in the league to seventh place? And what what a what a great thing to be worrying over and debating, you know. But we are that tenth team at the moment, and uh, and we're playing like one, and we've got the right amount of points, etc. And and we'll see how it progresses. Um, so yeah, that's the football side. I mean, obviously Ranieri's gone to Fulham. What a what an absolute no brainer appointment for for Fulham, you know. Best of wishes to him, obviously, apart from playing against Leicester. But uh, it's just just to touch on Ranieri. It was a it was great to see him at the ground. Obviously, you know, wrong reasons, but um, it's a no brainer for Fulham. I'd imagine he'll be there until possibly the end of the season, and then maybe they said multi year contract. You know, we'll see, we'll see. For me, he might be just a bit of a firefighter at the moment. Yeah, he's got a job to do, hasn't he? He knows the league. Uh, well, he's got a good pedigree. Um, interesting stat I saw, actually. This is completely um, unrelated to, to Leicester City, but uh, Slavisa Jokanovic was the first player that Claudio Ranieri signed for Chelsea. And I really, I don't know why I enjoyed that stat, but I, I, I just read it and I thought, you know what? Somebody has dug that out from somewhere and that is excellent. But yeah, good to see Ranieri back. I, if I was him, would I have accepted the Fulham job? Probably not. Uh, I'd, have th- I'd have thought, you know what, my job in, in England is done. I've won the Premier League. It doesn't get any better than that. And I'm now going to a struggling, overspending club. What can he possibly achieve there? I don't know. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's his own motivations, isn't it? If I was Claudio Ranieri, I would be in a villa somewhere watching football on telly if I missed it and and, and revelling in, in the glory of the greatest ever footballing story. Well... Yeah, I can I can agree with you in one way. I uh, in terms of you know you probably be in a villa or somewhere, but for me actually I I I disagree when it comes to Fulham. I think it's a great job. You've got a good team there. They just need more the, the little changes like he did at Leicester. Little changes and he's he already lives in London. He's got a house obviously when he lived in Chelsea. It's 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 same area. Decent squad. You're gonna have money to spend. I think it's a very good job, Fulham. Um, I don't think if if they sure up the defence I don't think they'll be going down at all um, what are the fact, chances of Robert Huth being signed on a free transfer well i tell you what there's uh, <laughs> a very good check there's two players I'll tell you right now my prediction uh, Mystic Pete um, I'll just put the, the sorcerer's hat on so Mystic Pete uh, is uh, in the house and I predict uh, two players will be joining uh, in Dece- in January and it will be from down the road uh, and it will be Mr. Drinkwater from Chelsea and probably Mr. Cahill from Chelsea. I think there's two ready-made signings there and I can't see Fulham going down. And if you fancy a like, nice little bet, actually, then uh, Fulham to stay up is actually uh, odds against, which is, uh, for me, a little bit too big. So there we go. Um, yeah, so all the best to him and we will see him in a few weeks, actually. We'll go down there on a, on a, on a Wednesday night game, play Brighton next. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover the football uh as we go forward in the next couple of weeks. Again, because it's the 100th episode, uh, we've got all bits and bobs to do, like our top 10s. Now, these top 10s. Um, in fact, before we do the top 10, um, if you are following um, Twitter, if you're on Twitter, at 
um, FFS Pod, if I get the right thing. FFS Pod is our Twitter handle. Make sure you follow us on there. Uh, you can listen to all the episodes and see what we do. And also, we don't tweet all the time. And there's only one or two journalists that we do retweet, John Percy, etc., who we just believe are very solid in in their predictions and in their stories etc we don't just retweet any nonsense um but uh we do have a listener my mate actually ant dickens uh one of my oldest friends actually um he ran uh the edinburgh and i want to say like five or ten k but it was basically up these hills and down these hills and i retweeted because he did it for the v shy foundation the renamed foxes uh foundation the uh the v shy foundation and he ran it in a v shy 16 shirt um so the new shirt with v shy number 16 which i'm definitely going to steal by the way i'm definitely going to get one of those um and uh and if you want to donate then you can go on twitter and see the link there uh i'll retweet it once again but he did that on the saturday um he normally goes to the game so he missed out on going to the burnley game uh but he obviously did it for a good cause and but there is a problem a huge problem rob big 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 problem big big Huge problem. I don't and... like problems because you you've talked here about uh, <laughs> a bloke, a friend of you, is a friend of the podcast. Of course, I've never met yes. him, but I've I've seen lots of uh, social media interaction, and uh, we thank you for being a a loyal listener and actually a loyal friend to Pete because he's not got that many. But raising <laughs> the money for the Vichai Foundation, excellent. And thanks to any of our listeners who have supported that. But problem? What problem? The problem is, uh, as I said to you before we press record. I will be going for a run after this podcast. And the problem is, in March, there is the Loughborough Half Marathon, which I have done twice. Just to let you know, I have ran that twice, okay? It's a long way. It's half a marathon, so it's, you know, what, 13 miles. It's I am not blessed physically in terms of being a runner. Uh, right now, I am definitely not in really any shape whatsoever at all. Um, but I will do the Loughborough half in um, in March, and I ninety percent sure it will be for the V Shy Foundation. It'll obviously be something to do with when I've done it before. I've not done it for charity. I've just done it for myself. I don't. I've never raised any money for charity that way at all. You know, um, I've just ran as as I am. But this time, I think I'll do something according to the podcast. Announce it on the hundredth episode. And I think it's probably going to be for the Vichai Foundation. I can't think of anything else unless some people have been donating money to the the, the hospital that he donated £2 million to. Um, that could be an option as well, but I'm not quite sure what's what. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. It might I, be... Uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's the worst idea I don't see any ever. problem. I don't see any I, problem with that. Well, look, I don't. look, right, uh, some money is going to be raised for charity. That's That's a fact because... I'll chuck at least a fiver in. Um, secondly... You better. Yeah. Secondly, we, being me and our wonderful listeners, are going to get an the, awful lot of comic value out of this. The For Fox 8 universe is going to really get behind this in many ways. Um, I mean, I would be waiting at the site. And also, because of the, the, the route, you can see four or five times when I'm going around. You know, you can see... And, you know, there could be banners. There could be people... Uh, shouting obscenities which i hope um you know and all sorts and it, it could be uh yeah yes it, the problem is as soon as i think about these things it's like right i'll do it and i'm quite bloody minded when it comes to stuff like this I'll, you know i will go and do it um i think my dad um 
I think he mentioned after I did the first one, he won't remember this at all, but he said something like it was like 20% fitness and 80% bloody mindedness that got, got me through the half marathon. So, um, oh yeah and just just to mention him as well uh star of uh of news networks all around the world because he was seen crying at the king power so uh that was uh that was uh that was him and uh just to embarrass him but uh yeah so there we go so that's what we're going to be doing in march and all the details will be on uh the future episodes so that's a crazy idea which i can't believe i've just announced right on to <laughs> so you'll be fine because you're like you know you play football I can't run. I can't yeah, run. But... The furthest I've ever run is 10 miles, and that was only because it was a charity challenge where the, the whole challenge was run 10 miles, drink 10 pints, and do that in 10 hours. And let me now assure we're you, talking. Let me now assure you, talking. I finished last in the running race. I got back to the pub, which was the finish line. Some people were already on three or four pints, right? I finished last out of, I think, 25 entrants um, in the run. And I just missed out on the bronze medal position. Come the uh, come the second half of the race, shall we say the uh, the race to get your right arm to your gob quickest. So now, um, there is, I was quite there pleased is a, with my rise up the rankings there. There is a relay race actually where you can actually do the thirteen miles in like three miles for different people. So we could explore that avenue. It'd be a lot easier for me. Anyway, um, <laughs> more on that later. Um, on to these top tens now. The bombshell that was dropped that we started on the 12th of February 2015, <laughs> rather than sometime like two years prior to that, um, means that instantly I've got some um, that are completely out of date. Now, our top tens are going to be different to each other's, possibly. I think there'll be probably three or four matching up, or five roughly. Um, and again, when we do these, think of yours. And again, this is just a bit of a throwback to the last few years. And it's great every now and again. You know, you can't you can't be moaning about who plays at number ten and how many times you know Gray can not cross the ball or shoot from distance or you know who, who's playing at centre half. You do need to look back and celebrate and remember other you know not remember the good times, but remember the bad times and have a bit of a laugh as well. You know, that's the whole point about these podcasts and that. So yes, a lot of people might thinking, I've heard these top tens before, you've done these before. Yeah, of course. But sometimes we change them, sometimes they're different, the different reasons. Um but uh, there we go. So I've got thirteen things written down here. I don't know what you've got. You don't know what I've got. Um I'm gonna put well have you got any from before twenty fifteen, the twelfth of Feb? No, because I looked when the podcast started because the whole uh, prerequisite of this feature of the 100th episode was memories of things that have happened since we started the podcast. Yeah, that's what a professional and a sensible person would do. I'll just give a, 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 a bit of a shout out. Again, we played Burnley and it did remind me with Wood playing on Saturday, um, going to Burnley and winning 2-0 that really cemented the promotion to the Premier League, a brilliant goal by Wood. Um, that was March 29th, 2014. So the podcast hasn't was, started, Pete. It was nearly a year beforehand. Um, in <laughs> fact, actually, I'll just I'll just mention that March actually because it's a big month. That March, um, you've got the game against Burnley that I mentioned that was on TV on the Saturday early uh, kickoff. They had problems up front, so, and then before that, on March the 15th, we played Blackpool at home, and it was the first. Uh, Oh, sorry, the second goal for the club for Mares, but it was the classic Mares drifting from the right, left-footed curler, 
Um, it was against Blackpool. We won 3-0, um, uh, 3-1, sorry. But his first three starts for the club, we won 3-0, 3-0, and then that 3-1, including that goal. So that month was a quite a seminal month, really, for, for the club. Um, and another one beforehand, we can't include, and I can't believe this, we can't include the Man United 5-3 game. Yeah, I was surprised about that. That when when thinking off the top of my head about memories that I'd like to include, I was like, "Oh, the United five three game's got to be in there." Uh, no, we were no, not. We were not be. podcast presenters for Fox Eight. Podcast did not exist then, so it can't be included. We were, we were both at the game. We were both commentating at the game. I turn up slightly hungover, and that went away within about the first five seconds of the game. And um, yeah. There we go. Um, okay, on to the <laughs> to the ones that are actually valid. Um, go on, then. I'll let as I try and find my pen. Um, you go first with your first because I've got to try and tick these off or or say that they match up. Okay, I started right at the very beginning because I I tried to think right what are the memories that are personal to me, the memories that are directly linked to for Fox Eight podcast, or the memories that are to do with Leicester City. Obviously, the most of them are to do with all three. Um, so number one was episode one called Pearson in, comma, Pearson out. And it was the time um, when Nigel Pearson was kind of sacked for a few hours and then he was unsacked. Uh, it followed a 1-0 defeat at home to Palace uh, during which Nigel Pearson had uh, strangled James MacArthur. And then he got sacked. Then he didn't get sacked. And the rumours and, and the reason I sort of uh, wanted to include this as well as it being our, the, our inaugural episode um, and Pearson doing something a bit crazy, uh, and the sacked story being one of the strangest football sacking stories I think has ever uh, has ever existed. Um, the rumor, the big rumor, was that Top wanted to sack Nigel Pearson, uh, and Vichai stopped him. And you know, I thought, seeing, seeing as we're all talking at the moment about all of the good things that Vichai has done for the community, for the club, etc., if that rumor is true, it was never proven. If that rumor is true, then. What an unbelievable decision that was from Vichai. But that's that's memory number one. Our humble beginnings, Pearson in, Pearson out, strangling James MacArthur. Was he sacked? Was he not sacked? Whoever knows, but who cares? I'm glad he wasn't in the end. I have down on my list episode one. Um, and if episode 100 is heaven, then I've just put down episode one, stairwell to heaven. Nice. How about that? So uh, is that one from um, one? Are we ticking them off? We're, we're one from one, actually, yeah. So, tick. hang on. Tick. There, there we go. That right, you there. go for your number two, then. Okay, I'll go for my number two, which uh, <laughs> um, I will always laugh at something like that, but there we go. Um, I am going to go for something very, very personal that only I believe one person who's listening to this will actually know that it happened. And it was a stupid little thing. Very stupid little thing. But it happened... And I've been reminded of it ever since Ranieri got the job at Fulham. And I've been reminded of it ever since I saw it. It was just, it, it's just, it's the, it's when he said dilly ding, dilly dong. Okay. And that became his kind of anthem. And, or he's, he's obviously saying. Um, but when we went to Copenhagen in the Champions League, obviously the plane was fairly full of Leicester fans. Um, even though it wasn't from uh, East Midlands, and it was down in um, down at uh, Gatwick, Gatwick, yeah, Gatwick, um, and basically 
when the plane was in the air, the captain comes on and he says all his usual blurb. Um, and he says, uh, oh, and good luck to Leicester City. And he just went, and it went quiet. And it just went dilly-ding, dilly-dong over the tannoy in the plane. And I just imagine if you had nothing to do with the football club, because it wasn't too obvious that there were loads of Leicester fans on the plane. But just a little thing like that, and a very personal thing. That's why I've mentioned it really early. Um, so, yeah, dilly-ding, dilly-dong, done by the the pilot of the uh, of the plane on the way to Copenhagen. Nice. I've put mine in chronological order, not in order of importance, because there's so many. Yeah, I, I, I've got mine in no order whatsoever. They are all over the place, um, apart from that one. So you uh, the didn't rest... know when we started the podcast and you've not put yours in time order. This is going to get very confusing. No, I like that. Why not jump from one one season to the next, from a good moment to a stupid moment, to a moment where everyone knew and everyone was there and everyone was watching, to a moment when there was only possible... Well, there won't be lots of people actually listening to this. Um, but, uh, but there we go. Right, so my second one... Uh happened around about our fifth episode in Easter 2015 and it was when we beat West Ham 2-1 um, Esteban Cambiasso for, for the first time looked like the class act that he very quickly became for the last part of the season uh, Leicester hero Andy King got a late winner and when you think this was Easter right it was our fifth win of the season and then that was that was the start of the seven wins from nine towards the end of the season. And you know what? Just just the class of Cambiasso, the 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 contribution that King made to that game, and and then overall has made to Leicester City, and the fact that it kick started the greatest of great escapes is is a reason that it will always sit in my memory as as one of the key games of our recent history, really. It's um, it's and we've mentioned it on the podcast a number of times, um, especially this season and in in the um transfer windows for obvious reasons. But when a player who was part of um the the team that won the league leaves the club, we'll always celebrate and go over their history at Leicester and and mention their highlights etc. and their importance. Um, and sometimes you look back and you and you forget bits and bobs and, and, and what they did I remember when Robert Hooth left and you, and you look back and went my god like not just winning the league but keeping us in the league what an important player he was when Andy King leaves Leicester in whatever way shape or form as a player as a coach you know whatever when he's no longer a Leicester player and we look back on his career yes it's longer than anyone else at Leicester now by a long way but when we do there's going to be moments that we've completely forgot about and him scoring that goal, again, it, it, it might not have happened. You know, the 2016 season might not have happened. And it's going to be a podcast in itself regarding Andy King. Yeah, it is. It, it, it'll be one of the uh, one of the most difficult farewells I think we've done as, as a podcast for departing players. Um, on to uh, number three. Um, I'm fast-forwarding to Madrid um, away. Now, obviously, when we do the podcast, uh, I have you have friends who listen to it and who 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 know who you are and and, and will tell you about it. I have friends, as we mentioned, Ant Dickens, who listens to it, for example, and other people who listen to the podcast and um, and they enjoy it, etc. Um, 
but it's quite rare that you actually meet a listener. Now, we mentioned this the other day, uh, the other uh, podcast. Um, but in Madrid, I met uh, two or three, actually. Um, but the one that stands out was Sam Cook, who we mentioned, uh, sent a, a, a tremendous email, which actually does rival uh, bumping into him in Madrid. Sam from Vancouver um, listens to the podcasts, uh, uh, listens to podcasts, and he, he mentioned on his email, and we said this the other day, because the kickoff times, etc., you know, he has to get up early, and then also there's not an amazing amount of people who support Leicester City in the Vancouver area. Um, so when he came over, he accidentally bumped into me, only a, a, a fool, it, it, like me, would be wearing an Atletico shirt, and, and we were way gone as well. We've had a lot. And we're walking towards it, and he was walking behind me, and he obviously was just figuring out whether it was me or not. So there's not, you know, got quite a distinctive voice, and um, and and then, and then obviously he sent the email through um, the the other week and that, and uh, and which we haven't actually responded to, but he's obviously listening to the podcast, so we don't really need to write the email back to him. But for me, on my list, it's going to be uh, Samuel Cook because. Um, it was great to meet a listener. It was great to meet a listener from around the world. Um, when we do release the podcast, there is options to try and figure out who listens from where. And there's people from all different corners of, of the globe that listen to the podcast, which is fantastic. Um, but to meet one in person uh, was was fantastic. It was, it was amazing. And I remember every second of it. Cause he says on the email, I don't know whether you remember. Yes, I do. Because that sort of thing you don't forget. And also the people who were with me... Um, haven't let me forget that at all because they because they were just like oh my god this is this is really funny as well so uh yeah i've got down samuel cook as number three right so seeing as you've decided to go all over the shop pete i've uh i'm gonna sack off my chronological order and pick one that is similar in some ways to your third one in the fact that it was a an away trip out of this country overseas now one of my biggest regrets of the champions league season is the fact that i didn't get to an away game but before that season started, we got to play in quite a prestigious pre-season tournament thingamabob. And we played Barcelona away in Stockholm. Uh, and me and a mate went over for a few days. Had a brilliant time. The weather was amazing. Stockholm's a great city. Uh, met a load of Leicester fans. Obviously not on the same level as as you will have on European away days. But still loads of us out there. Um, thoroughly enjoyed a few days in Stockholm. Yes, we lost 4-2 to Barcelona, but Ahmed Musa looked like the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, and it was just it was the first time I've been to watch Leicester outside of the UK. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed every single second. And I can only imagine it's as close as I'm going to get anytime soon to, to your European away days. So I've, that's why I've decided to throw that into my top 10 of memories throughout the for fox sake era shall we call it i, th- I think the uh, the game against barcelona which most people would have watched it'll all- always be remembered for musa and those goals because you know he he looks like the dog's danglis but it turns out um that he was just danglis and uh it's uh, <laughs> he's yeah well I mean, what a what a strange player I, the thing is he's one of them players where you look back and you think well do you regret Letting him go, you know, would he have become the player that we all thought he 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 will hope that he would have been? Um, I think the answer is no. I just don't think he had it in him. Occasionally he'll look the business, but I just don't think he it at Premier League level. Um, but yeah, I remember that game. I remember the goals. My word. Um, 
and that's the thing. I, I was talking to uh, um, Jonathan Orcroft, the, the uh, journalist, Sunday Times journalist outside the King Power the other day for for something else uh, to do with Vishai and that. And um, and he he mentioned something in there about he says um, because he lives in the city now. He's not he's he's from Aberdeen, but um, he said that a lot of people he knows said that almost watching Leicester in the Champions League was better than winning the league in in theory and I, and I kind of said I know where they're coming from because the winning the league was so nerve-wracking really until they cemented it and then it was the best thing ever but um the Champions League was just enjoyment the whole time because you know you, you even if you lost it doesn't matter you know you lost with Porto doesn't matter you're just there to enjoy it um and uh, and it was an interesting take from someone and I, and I thought about it for a few seconds when I can I can see exactly where where people came from and again obviously going to see him abroad against Barcelona what a what a great game I wish I was there but I wasn't but my next one will be um and we'll stick with the Champions League and it will be the Champions League draw <laughs> so obviously we're in pot A which was mad uh, we were being drawn alongside all the big boys, which was crazy, and it was because it was just so funny. And you watch, uh, you know, you watch social media at the time when it's going off, and it wasn't just Leicester fans; it's fans of football in general just laughing. And this is amazing. Again, it's like you've had, you've won the league. What's next? What's well, the Champions League? Here we go. This is this is actually the adventure. And um, who we're going to play, where we're going to go, and then booking the flights and seeing if you can go to them, and all that sort of thing. And it was the draw, purely because it was one of the funniest draws I've ever seen in my life. Because it just it won't happen again, I don't think. You know, unless unless something crazy happens again. But there we go, the Champions League draw. <laughs> not even not even the games. Well, let me move swiftly on to my next one then, and that was. Um... <clears throat> Excuse me, that was uh, the first game of the Champions League. 14th of September 2016, would you believe? Over two years really? ago. What? A, yeah, it, seem, it seems like it was only yesterday in some ways, but at the same time, it seems like it was a lifetime ago. Um, I remember exactly where I was. I was on holiday in Greece uh, with the other half, who, incidentally, I meant to say at the start of this podcast, uh, I have been with for Fox 8 podcast longer than I've been with her, which is funny. Um, I shan't be telling her that because she pretty much thinks I'm married to you anyway, Pete. Um, She's obviously a listener. Well, yeah, no, not really. She listens to enough of <laughs> she listens to enough of my garbage without listening to for fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, Bru- uh, Bruges away. Um, just about got settled in this bar in uh, in Greece, ready to watch the game. Leicester shirt on. She let me pack it, which was a miracle in itself. Had to do a lot of a uh, lot of begging for that. Um, Leicester shirt on, beer in hand, sat down. First uh, kickoff happens five minutes in, or Brighton scores, and I'm just like, "What on earth is happening?" We're in the Champions League. We have just scored our first ever Champions League goal by Mark Allbrighton, uh, the the All least Brighton, yeah. the least Champions Leaguey bloke you could ever come across. Uh, and I'm there. I'm here in my Leicester shirt and my shorts in the in the warm. Grease evening in a bar watching. The, I, I, do you know what? There was a, there would have only been probably one place better to be on that night than there. I reckon, even though I was the only Leicester fan in the in the bar. Um, the missus doesn't even count because she's a Burton Albion supporter. Um, I think the only place that would have been better than that bar in Greece would have been Bruges. Well, 
I don't want to rain on anyone's parade because that, that, that sounds absolutely fantastic. I watched that game <laughs> um, on the top floor bar at Copacabana Beach in Brazil, <laughs> in Rio, um, on, a, on an iPad. And similar, with a beer, and it was just nuts. But the problem is, I was there on my own. You know, there was no one else there watching the game at all, apart from a bemused barman at the top. There was no, on, on the top floor, there was no one else there at all. And I'm just trying to look around saying, like, we're 3 0 up, we're 3 0. All Brighton's just scored. Mahrez has just smashed one in a free kick and, you know, but no one cared. So it was a glorious place to watch it, but I wanted to be there. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to be in Bruges or be at home or wherever. But, uh, yeah, not a bad place to watch it. But I remember that game vividly. Now, is it my turn now? Yeah. It is. Um, it's your go, yeah. Uh, I feel like I might have just poo-pooed your story there, but no, no. Um, again, other people will be thinking where they were now. You see, that's your point. Um, okay, then. I will mention um, a game which I've said before in these top tens, and I'll say again, and it's a game which I think gets lost. And I, I think when you look back over the last, say, eight years since King Power um, have, have, uh, have been involved at the club, or you look back on the decades, say, um, and you look back at the the glory few years and all that sort of stuff. The lost game, I I always call it the lost game, and it's when Leicester beat Man City four two. Um, so twenty sixteen tenth of December, uh, Vardy hat trick, uh, King scored. We were three 0 up inside the first twenty minutes. Vardy three minutes, King five minutes, Vardy twenty minutes. The layoff from it absolutely clattered it down. We were in trouble in the Premier League. We were doing well in Europe. Um, and Man City, all singing or dancing. Man City turns up, Guardiola, etc. And we ripped them to shreds. And it was really... Slimani played alongside Vardy. And it, still now you think, you know, surely that should have worked. And maybe probably would have done if applied more with those two up top together. Because they were sensational. Mares was unplayable that day. Vardy was on fire. And 3-0 up against Man City at home. Those first 20 minutes, I don't think I've seen Leicester play better in a 20-minute spell in a certain time of a game ever. And I don't think I will. They were all brilliant. The whole team was sensational. We'd won 4-2 overall. That game, which I, I have listed as the lost game, because it does get lost in all the fantastic things that have happened especially over that season and, of course, the season before. But for those 20 minutes, it was all in towards the, 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 the family stand as well, the north stand at the, at the King Power. So where we are in our commentary position, we're level with the edge of the penalty area at that end. So it's kind of towards our end. That was the nuts, basically. Yeah, that's on my list, actually. It was... Um... As you said, I'd, I don't think I ever have or ever will see Leicester play quite so well in a, cer- a certain period of time ever. It was t- the the confidence, the the swagger that they had against the Galacticos of Manchester City was just incredible. And especially as you say, it was we were it was at a time where 
momentum wasn't really with us. It, we weren't riding the crest of any particular wave then, um, certainly in domestic form. So to to just come up with a, a pretty much a reminder of what we could do and the way that we could absolutely destroy teams. They didn't know what hit them and, and the, fee- the feeling what of pride and wonder watching that game was was very much up there with as, as I say but uh, in terms of the fact that the, the result didn't really mean anything so I think that's probably why it does get forgotten it was middle of a, a, a forgettable season um in domestically but what a performance it it's it, it it will be especially the first half and then Vardy scored to to make it four and then of course they came back scored the two goals right at the end but which didn't really matter because you know it was game over but yeah as a half of football and well as as a 90 minutes that will is is for me you know uh, the pinnacle so that's um that's five so yeah. are you uh, on to I've, six now i've said one two three um, I've lost count. I've done. F- I've done five. Have you done five? I I've done know. five. I'll do. No, I'll tell okay. you what. I'll do. I'll do one. Um, Morning. Let's <laughs> say me or you. Let's. <laughs> I mean, it is fifty-fifty, but I'm in. Um, one that was a personal and professional highlight. Now, obviously, I'm. I'm not so much in the sports broadcasting game. Uh, as I was in previous years, uh, uh, a personal choice to to step away mostly from the industry. But uh, I thoroughly enjoyed pretty much every opportunity and every job that I ever got to do as a sports commentator. I I still volunteer alongside yourself and and the team down at Leicester providing the audio description. But on the whole, I'm out of the the business, as it were. But I've done some great things, right? Some some things that will stay with me forever. Some amazing events that I never thought I would ever achieve. But to commentate on Leicester City at Wembley Stadium, I was. Do you know what? I I got there so early and I was just sat there for hours, just like, how on earth is this happening? How on earth have all of the stars aligned that my commentary career is going? well enough for me to be placed in the hot seat at Wembley that Leicester City's current form and and standing within English football is so good that they're playing in the Community Shield at Wembley uh, as as coming into it as, as league champions. I just sat there and, and it took me ages to get over the fact that all of this was happening and, and to actually to switch that microphone on and do what I thought was a half-decent job. Uh, the The game itself didn't matter. It was just... I took more selfies than I've ever taken in my life. And I don't really like a selfie. I'll be perfectly honest. I'm not the busiest man on social media, but I just, I, I just thought, you know what? I need to log this in every single way I can because I will never get this kind of opportunity again to sit at the National Stadium, commentate on Leicester City. It was mind blowing that moment. Yeah, the the Charity Shield was a a real day out. It was a real. It was a real celebration for the fans again. Uh, uh, for I was there as, as a fan, and um, yeah, it, 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 it was that was it was just a celebration. I've never been to a game where the the result no, no one cared, no one cared. Um, what a day! And 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 I will follow that up with 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 something similar, especially at the beginning. Um, my my number six is again a a, a, a thing which I think you will. Um, We'll probably put into yours as well, or, or would have thought of. And again, it's the fact that obviously we were there doing our job, 
you know, fantastic that we were given the opportunity to commentate on Leicester winning, winning the league and, and, and still doing it. And, um, but also during that season, something that we don't do now um, as so much is the access that we got to Ranieri's post-match press conferences. Um, so whoever was down at the King Power working, uh, a lot of people would have heard uh, Mark Perkins on this podcast before. They would have heard Dave Rogers on the podcast before. Uh, obviously, me and yourself. Um, after the game, obviously, Ranieri goes downstairs. Um, and we don't do that, but, but before, we used to go to the press conference. And they were obviously rammed. And the fact that we were, had access there was was sensational. And we stood there and watched with everyone. And everyone knows the clips. They've seen them on TV. They've seen Ranieri say dilly ding, dilly dong. We were there and we saw it firsthand. We were there when Jose... And of course, all the opposition managers as well. I was there when Jose Mourinho looked like he was a, a dead man walking. And he was. He was sacked. Um, after the game when we beat them with Mahrez's fantastic goal, um, when uh, Ranieri was talking about all of his sharks and talking to all the press, you know that was that was fantastic. And when he mentioned about uh, the bookmakers, uh, they give you know all that sort of thing. They they were five thousand and all that five thousand to one. We were there, and then when he said um, we're in Champions League, man, again we were there, and 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 and. The, Looking around, of course, we're we're looking around, especially me. I'm looking around with a dopey grin on my face. <laughs> this is amazing, you know. Just still, this is fantastic being here. But seeing all the hard nosed journalists, just yes, fawning over Ranieri, but also the amount of respect for him and the club as a whole of what was going on, and it was just amazing. And it was so chalk and cheese with every manager who came in, mainly because they lost. But, oh dear, you know, Dower, this, that and the other. And we were there for Pearson conferences and all that sort of thing. And, and, and when that all kicked off. But um, it was it was just brilliant to see that firsthand. And, I've, and if I look through my phone, I've got some, some good pictures of, of those press conferences. Different angles, where we were standing, because it was, you know, pretty much standing room only. Um, and if you could get in people were there you know people who probably won't be there now they were, oh I, i'm not going to go down and watch that now uh, at the time they they really did so yeah it's uh it was again something that you know we, we i was delighted to be given the opportunity to actually get in and, and see that but that's a memory that is definitely a memory seeing that uh when you see the clips and i'm thinking you know i'll, I'll stood to the side there yeah really enjoyed them you mentioned um very briefly before I move on to my next memory, because I think it was outside of the um, for Fox sake era, but you, the, you know the Nigel Pearson ostrich press conference. I, I managed to uh, sneak myself in on the end of that by accident because it was filmed by a static camera that was directly behind the gangway between the two seating areas for for the press, and I went up to get my dictaphone back just as he kind of muttered it. It was kind of post press conference, but he was still sat there. The cameras were still rolling. Uh, and all you see as he says it is my shoulders go up in a sort of silent chuckle and a, a little bit of a whoop look on my face. The scene, and, scene stealer. Yeah. Next memory for me. Um, right. Let's go back to a footballing memory. Um, and let's talk about... Jamie Vardy, because I don't think you can talk about Who? Leicester in the modern era without talking about that guy. 
Um, when he Get scored, J- Jamie Vardy, Jamie Vardy. Yeah, you might have heard of him. Uh, you probably hadn't oh, a few years ago. But is he the one married to Rebecca Vardy? Yeah, the one that was in the jungle. Yeah, that's, that's the one. The, that's the one. Now, yeah. now, now I know. Now I know. So apparently, he broke a, a goal-scoring record in the Premier League. Uh, a good few years ago. Can, can you believe, right? This is the 28th of November, 2015, he broke that record. We are talking best part of three years ago. Um, and, of course, it was the record of scoring in uh, 11 consecutive games. And, you know, the best thing about it, the most poetic thing about it, was uh, the fact that it was away at Old Trafford in front of Ruud van Nistelrooy, the former holder of the of the record. I just thought, do you know what? It was, it was home. It was home, weren't it? Oh, was it home? It was, it was, in, yeah. well, it was against United, wasn't it? Um, That's correct. And I just thought <laughs> there was something very poetic about this, about a bloke who has not had the easiest ride to the top of the game, let's be perfectly honest, uh, through mainly through his own fault and, and whatever, but got himself yeah, a, a roller break. coaster is smoother than that. Yeah, yeah exactly. He got himself a break. Got himself in the in the Leicester team, picked himself back up when he wasn't scoring goals in the Championship, and thought this is probably isn't the level for me. Uh, and then to go and complete his own fairy tale in the fairy tale season, if you like, he made his own bit of personal history uh, as well as leading the team to to the biggest piece of history. Uh, and I was just so pleased that it happened for him um, that he broke the record because there was so much talk about it when he got up to about eight eight games, wasn't it? seven or eight games, people were looking at that record. Um, and just for him to have his own personal moment within the season that was all about the team was was brilliant for me and brilliant for him, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, I, I must admit, I had a, I've had a quick look at the old Fossils and Foxes um, Bible basically over over the last uh, well before we did this only for a few minutes and I'm just looking at the stats in this that, and the other as you do and you look at Vardy and when he joined he he failed to step up it took a while for him to get used to basically training all the time becoming a, a full time professional and and abiding by the rules set down by a top championship club you know a well run championship club it's a it's a whole different ball game at, at this level. And it took him a while to adjust, and he did adjust. And then he scored, what, 16 goals when they got promoted. Nugent got 20. And then it took him a year to adjust in the Premier League. He only scored a few goals, really, in that survival season. Some very, very important goals. Um, And then, obviously, the season after, he kicked on and he scored 20-odd goals. And he's done that since. And so he he has stepped up to every single mark. And and I I will add uh, number seven. I've got um, Vardy's goal against Man United at home, the you know eleventh uh, on the bounce, and I've just put down the noise at the King Power because uh, yes, that this might be a some another moment etc. But um, I, in my opinion, again completely my opinion, I don't believe the King Power has celebrated a goal in terms of noise like that that goal because there was the noise of. We're one nil up against Man United. There was the noise of it's a huge game and we're flying towards the top of the table. It's Vardy scoring. The way that the ball was produced for him, it wasn't like it was a tapping in a goldman scramble. It was there was an anticipation of a few seconds before he shot and then it hit the back of the net. 
it was everything. It was the relief of Vardy scoring. It was the ecstatic nature of scoring against Man United at home on TV in a night game. So everyone's had a few beers beforehand. And I just, I, I think possibly the game against Seville, which might be coming later, you never know. Um, I, I think apart from that, maybe all Brighton or, or especially Morgan goal, I think that's the loudest goal I've ever heard at the King Power. That's, that's some that's seven. some claim. Oh, it's a, it's a claim. It's a claim, all right. And it's um, again my claim. It's it's possibly nonsense. You you go back top of absolute top of my head. You've got Vardy's fifth against uh, sorry fourth against United, um, or was it the fifth? The one where it was rolled in and then he side footed it past the goalkeeper. You've got Ajoa's goal against Norwich in the in the injury time or very uh, last minute of the game, which technically was caused the earthquake, which was called the Vardy quake, which obviously it wasn't. It was actually Ajoa's goal. Um, there's been many. There's been many over the years. But for me, you know, that was the loudest. I'm going to stick with football for my uh, eighth, really? eighth one. Eighth <laughs> one. Eighth one, yeah. Because um, I'm saving probably my two favourites till the end. Um, let's... We've we've touched a little bit on Champions League, but that first Champions League night at the King Power Stadium, I watched. Obviously, as as we as we've said earlier, thirteen days previously, I'd watched Leicester beat Bruges three 0 in a bar in Greece, which was great. But there was nowhere, nowhere on earth I would rather have been on that first Champions League night at the King Power Stadium than right there. And you know the just everything about it that I, I like night games anyway, just because they've got a lot more. They seem to have a lot more atmosphere to them on on the whole. Um, and just knowing that most of the other teams in the Premier League weren't playing because we were playing the big boys, we were playing in the Champions League. They renamed the stadium. I didn't care. The only beer on sale was Heineken at ridiculous prices. I didn't care. The the black and white starred football motif covered the center circle um and the the second of hush before the champions league music kicked in i was just stood there just like no way is this happening can you believe this music is about to be played at the king power stadium or the leicester city stadium for us not as a joke not as not to run out for a charity game or anything they are playing it before a legitimate champions league game for us under the lights, does it get any better than this? And ninety minutes later, it did because we won the game. Um, but that the the feeling, the the goosebumps, the every we were just so we were just still there, riding still there. every. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm just sort of I'm recalling the moment, and it's just it was absolutely incredible. And 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 I know we didn't want to make this podcast really to do with the the events of the last few weeks, but these these things were made possible through the ownership of Vichai and through the ownership of King Power. And this is why people have been so, so solemn in their outpouring of, of grief. Because for some people who were going through tough times, I wasn't going through a tough time then. Um, I was just really, really enjoying being a Leicester fan. But I've heard some accounts of some people who were going through some some dark times, difficult, difficult times in their lives. And these moments for Leicester City 
lifted them. Um, and, and some people have even gone as far as to say that, that they saved their lives. And that's a huge part down to the to the king power ownership of Leicester City, to the chairmanship of, of Vichai. So these moments, I think they've got even more poignancy now because you're thinking, look, how grateful are we that we got to experience these moments? And um, it, it, forever grateful is, is the answer. Oh, definitely. And again, they are moments. These are individual moments on a on a tremendous day or a tremendous game and it didn't last the season it lasted more than that we've mentioned games but i've mentioned games where we're not even in the premier league um it, it's lasted a long time it's not just winning that league in that second it, it, it wasn't a whole lot more and there's them um, individual moments i always think back to when we played against um uh Atletico Madrid at home and in fact actually at any game in the Champions League where it was the differences in the ground like you said it was changed uh, the ground's name was changed um, the fact that there was technical areas where the managers stand there was further technical areas down the wings for different TV crews from around Europe which gradually filled up to the points of ridiculousness against Atletico Madrid at home, it where the whole entire earth was in the King Power. Anyone who had anything to do with the TV station was there, pitch side. It, and you were there looking around, and this and 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 as um as Martin Tyler said when uh, when Aguero scored the the goal that won them the league, you know, drink it in. And I remember standing there drinking it in, looking around, just eyes open, going like, "Remember this, remember this," and and those those things you remember, um. And I'll stick with the Champions League because I've got exactly the same. I've got um, the, the you know the noise, the the Champions League music basically for the first time. And I'll probably put Champions League music every single time because and the roar at the end of it. Normally the roar at the end of a, a piece of music like that or whatever. It's you know it's a come on. And I think this was half of a come on, and then the other half was a yay. <laughs> like we're here, you know yeah. It was it was a very strange. Obviously, later in the tournament, it was uh, it was a come on Leicester. But for the first few times you heard it at the King Power, it was half of a come on Leicester and half of a of a yeah, here we are, <laughs> kind of waving to the camera for people at home, going hello, you know what <laughs> what are we doing here, kind of thing. Um, I will uh, so I've got that as well, but I will mention a different one uh, to do with the Champions League. Um, I will put uh, Sevilla at home and. Uh, when Morgan scored, when Albrighton scored, when obviously it was Shakespeare in charge. Um, and I've got one thing here, which again does broadly cover a lot. Um, but for me, um, you've got the Union FS people uh, in the corner who we don't know. I don't know anyone from Union FS and, and I don't think you do either. And um, they've never contacted us. We've never contacted them. We don't know who they are. Um, but for me, they do a tremendous job in terms of making noise. Um, I like because it's the opposite side of the stadium. And uh, I like to see the banners in behind. Of course, they had the um, the Godfather with Ranieri and all that sort of thing. But the TIFOs that do. I, I mean, it, every club has their things. You've got them, you know, you've got the Burks in the corner uh, at Crystal Palace all dressed in black and apparently make a tremendous atmosphere. I think massively overrated by lots of things, but when the idea of doing a TIFO was announced by them, look, we're going to be doing this. We don't want any help from the football club. Brilliant. And when you first saw one of them TIFOs, you went, oh, actually, these are brilliant. Cause it, you know what I mean? If it doesn't look 
half decent it could be quite embarrassing you know but they've done a brilliant job whoever designs um makes them i know lots of people get involved but they need someone who knows what they're doing this just doesn't happen overnight um this doesn't just randomly happen live on air in a podcast uh, this is a, a thing that's planned out and uh, and the way what i'm getting to is when they played Sevilla at home and they had the let's slip the dogs of war with obviously shakespeare again and just it was great it was fantastic you know it was the champions league it was against Sevilla. the game itself obviously is tied in with this and what happened in that in that game one of the best performances the save remember the penalty save from schmeichel and remember nasri who was meant to be going west ham what a terrible signing that you know talk about bad egg you know get him away from any club you don't want him a, a, a good footballer on his day don't get me wrong in fact a really good footballer but never in a million years do you want him near your club um him and Vardy of course clashing and he get him sent off loads of little things like that yeah the, the Schmeichel save I've completely forgot about until just now um when Morgan scored and, it, and then he went and slid on his knees in similar style that he did at Old Trafford the, the game before we won the league and it was just an amazing night, an amazing night. But for me, um, it will be the TIFO because it meant a lot more. The the, the link with Shakespeare, and it was. I just looked at it and just nodded my head to myself and went, "Yes, that is absolutely bob on." It's good that we've uh, that we've done these separately. I think you know because there are <laughs> no no seriously because there are. So many more than ten each that we could have picked. So I think this is giving a good, a good breadth because uh, I made a conscious decision to go to that severe game as a as a fan rather than uh, as a commentator, just so I could soak up a little bit more, you know. And um, and I'm not saying for a second that we don't enjoy our jobs and we don't enjoy Leicester games because we're behind the microphone, but but often, especially during the game itself, you're concentrating so hard on delivering what is um, a very uh, detailed and important service to lots of Leicester fans that sometimes you don't quite get the chance to take everything in. Um, no. So, I'd, I, do you know what? There was um, Alex, who's been on the podcast a few times. He was desperate to be at the at the game. And I said, do you know what? I've got the opportunity to get my hands on a ticket here. So I uh, gladly gave up my seat in the commentary box to him and I went down amongst the punters, if you will, um, and uh, like you, Pete, just everything um, visually, from a football point of view, from an atmosphere point of view, everything, every box you could ever wish to be ticked at a football match or a sporting occasion was was ticked that night. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was. It was really special. And um, I've got. I've had the opportunity to go as a fan uh, on a number of occasions. I've been offered a, a, a ticket um, through my old man, basically, and. Um, I've not gone because I've been working. I've been doing the the commentary role, which is a dream job. You know, it's a fantastic thing to do. And um, I'd love to go as a fan. I keep on telling my dad, I said, look, every time the ticket comes available, I, you know, if no one wants to go, I will definitely go if I can. And I'd love to go to a home game as a fan because I've not not been to a home game as a fan. Well, I mean, I, I can't even think. I, I can't think because we were doing the commentary role before we did the podcast. Hence the reason we've got loads of ones before we actually started the podcast on our list. So I'd love to go and I and I hope to be going soon. It just depends on, on what's what with the with everything. Um so we're getting on to the final ones now. 
Um, and I think the final ones are all going to revolve around the same thing, really, aren't they? They're going to revolve around actually winning the league. Um, Whatever makes I'm, you say that? What makes you think that we'd well, save those till last, eh? Yeah, exactly. So I think we can probably just shove them all in kind of one area. I've got down, obviously, when we won the league, the Hazard goal and what where we were. If you go back to the podcast when we did that week, um, I was in uh, Weymouth. Um, and I remember exactly where I was. I remember who I was with. I was with my family. Um, and we watched the goal go in. We went mad. We drank champagne. We drank as much as we wanted. It was it was it was fantastic. And I remember doing the podcast the next day. I remember walking through the town. So we're you know miles away from um, from Leicester. People saying well done and all that sort of thing. Because uh, I'm wearing a '86 shirt, so a few people saw the Walkers crisps and saw the you know the relation there to Leicester. And then we did the podcast, and I walked along um, the harbour wall basically. Uh, just to try and get a bit of peace because I was on the phone and um, obviously the, the phone doesn't work as well as what we're doing now you know th- this sounds as good as we're both in the same place um, and I remember talking to you doing the podcast then um, that was a that was a weird thing because it was just like all we've kind of half all the things that we've not said in the months leading up to it, because we didn't really want to jinx it or whatever. It's just happened. So you could just do whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that the hazard moment, and that's before we go on to, you know, the game against uh, against Everton, but that the, the hazard moment has to be in there, easy. Yeah, that was my penultimate one as well. You've, you've read my mind. I Well, I know remember. where you were. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, yeah. I re- you said, it, well, go on then. You, you tell the story. Because this, this, this is... In terms of stories, and I always remember where I was. Everyone remembers where they were when that goal went in. And if that, if I'm asked that, which happens quite often when you get in the conversation with people about football, then you turn on to Leicester, you turn on to that, and I say, "Oh, I was down, did watching it in this place. I remember exactly." And I always turn around and said, "Yeah, but my mate watched it." And I I tell the story that you're going to tell now. Yeah, it was pretty special, and I know. Um... Those of you that have listened to this podcast will probably have heard me say this story twice already uh, in the previous episodes, once after it happened and then once probably in the end of season review or a Christmas episode or something like that. Uh, in my in my former life as a sports reporter, commentator, etc., I was sat in the press room at the World Snooker Championships um, on that Monday night. It was the, the final... Mr. Mark Selby of Leicester, big Leicester fan, was in the final um, and we had sort of multi-screen going on. We were obviously keeping a close eye on the snooker myself and uh, the who's who of uh, world snooker journalists. Uh, but we had less, uh, we had Spurs Chelsea on, on a couple of screens as well. And obviously it's the biggest night of the tournament because it's the it's the world championship final. Uh, and I'm there churning. I was doing. I was there in a newspaper reporting capacity. So I was. I was there, t- typing away, beavering away, making sure that everything, bar the scoreline and Mark Selby's quotes, was ready to ping to the papers as soon as it happened. Um, but I obviously I was watching the Spurs Chelsea game, and everybody in there knew I was a Leicester fan as well. Uh, and when Hazard scored that goal. The place went mental, I think, obviously because they're all sports reporters at heart and they knew 
the the story of, of Leicester City, but also the story that was coming their way in terms of tying it in with Mark Selby winning the World Championship. But we, it happened, I think, I can't remember the exact timings, 14 minutes, I think, something like that. Not very long after, Hazard scored that goal and the full-time whistle went in what was a, a barbaric game of football, by the way. Um, Mark Selby was crowned World Snooker Champion and... I didn't really get a chance to process Leicester having won the league in that short period of time because I was typing so quickly, like my, my fingers were on fire because I, it was, I, we knew that the, the, the snooker was coming to an end um, and everyone was coming over and sort of patting me on the back and, and ruffling my head and stuff and I was like fending them off trying to finish my writing. Um, but as soon as Selby potted that, the, the last ball that meant he, that he won the World Championship, I just sat back for... 30 seconds max and I just went oh my goodness football and snooker are my two best sports right my two favorite sports and Leicester have just done the unlikeliest of doubles uh on the same night uh and I thought you know what the world snooker championship after party is always a momentous occasion never to be remembered again especially not the following morning but I just knew that night was going to be absolutely bonkers so I worked as hard as I could got the story into the newspapers enjoyed every second of the press conference with Mark Selby um, then got very boozy afterwards uh, watched Mark Selby sing karaoke uh, had the whole crowd going along to Sweet Caroline um, and then um got a photo and had a had a cheers with him and had a little chat about the football with him at some point during the evening. I remember it vaguely. There is photo evidence of it as well. But you just do, do you know what you know for from a football point of view, a snooker point of view, from a professional point of view, a personal point of view and then the party point of view that night will forever be one of the best of my life hands down. I mean, you can't beat the double. I, I, I you know, in a, in a weird thing, I think it might be fourteen minutes because I'm sure you've said that before. Um, seven or fourteen was in my head when you were about to say how many minutes. But yeah, to, for your top two sports to win basically the biggest prize that you can within <laughs> minutes of each other is quite frankly absolutely ridiculous. And I remember he had the big uh, Leicester flag and that when he uh, stood with the trophy and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was uh, absolutely absolutely amazing. And of course, the week after we won the league, or well, went and picked the trophy up, and the day itself, you know, was was amazing with obviously um, Bocelli singing and all that sort of thing. Um, well, I'm not actually going to say lifting the trophy <laughs> um, because it's quite an easy thing to say. Of course, it is. You know, lifting the trophy, being there, seeing that, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. But for me, it was probably the parade, um, which was just, again, spot on. The weather was brilliant. Um, I went down London Road to meet mate uh, Fish and um, and Big Trev, who who I got a sound clip from them, um, and which is which is quite good actually. If if you can dig them out at the end, that would be quite a good thing. Um, at the end of this, because uh, we were absolutely slaughtered. It was like. I, I think I must have been working the morning and um, I got in, ditched the car in the shires. Um, I was like, that'll do for about three days there. Don't worry about that. We'll, we'll sort that out later. Um, phone up um, Big Fish. Um, where are you? We're on London Road. All right. Left-hand side. Um, what was his name? Mr. Sim or something. He's got, there's an Indian restaurant there. Anyway, he says, uh, 
Cobra on tap. Well, that was it. Game over. On my way, I saw um, I saw Crazy Bernard. Ah, everyone knows did. Bernard. The, the parade that. wouldn't have been wouldn't have been the parade without him, would it? He was wearing a crown, um, and uh, I know Bernard for for many years um, in my former role um, as, uh, in the in the uh, bookmaking industry. And the thing is, Bernard knows me. <laughs> He will shout across a town centre, Mr. Selmer, Mr. Yeah, all right, Pete, all right, Pete, like this. Um, he knows me. And so as I'm walking towards him, normally it's which shop can you dive in first to get out of the way? But this time it's not. And he clocked me and he's like, yeah, Mr. Selmer. Um, and I invite, I said, come on, Bern, come up to this, uh, wherever we are at London Road. I says, uh, come with me. And then he said no, and he stayed where he was. But thinking back, that would have been amazing if I turned up with <laughs> with Bernard. Um, if you don't know who Bernard is, just type in Crazy Bernard Leicester fan on, on Google and, and you'll see multiple videos and also uh, photos. Um, anyway, got up to London Road and there we are. And, and multiple of beers were drank. Went to the park, Kasabian. Got brilliant videos of us there. Um obviously the trophy and fireworks and then coming back down london road back to the same place just everyone and everyone a brilliant atmosphere i remember i told the story before about a woman pushing a chair with loads of small at least three kids walking with her and then obviously someone in the chair and she was going against the tide of people and you could see she was in a bit of a panic and when we got to this place on london road on the way back from the park stood there and watched as this group of about 20 lads, all about 19, absolutely, you know, had, had way too many beers. Um, they basically formed kind of like a horseshoe around them and got them to the end of the road, put them in a taxi and off they went. And I don't know whether they, I, I seem to think that they paid for it, but I don't know whether that's just me um, after a few beers, but that happened and we just stood and watched it went well that will never happen in real you know in real life the whole town the whole city was just nuts um and then we saw you uh and perco i seem yeah. to remember yeah we got involved and as well that you, happened we i was i was just calling you and calling perco and going where can we actually go for a beer and you were like come down to london road there's literally nobody here i was like pete everybody's walking down london road Wherever you are, there are going to be thousands of people. It's going to be like 20 deep at the bar. And I didn't believe you, but I thought, you know what? If Pete's there and Pete Pete loves a beer. So if Pete's there and he's got beer, then it must be accessible from somewhere. So uh, me and a few of my mates who I was at the thing uh, the parade with, um, we'd, we'd sort of reunited after, after several years of not properly seeing each other f- through various reasons. And we'd had a barbecue around a mate's parents' house uh, as we were all reunited in Leicester. Bloody brilliant day. And then I came down and met you on, on London Road with a few mates. Um, and there you were, just popped into, it was more, wasn't it? The buffet place. And there was nobody at That's the bar. That's right. And the, I, just Moore, walked, and- I just walked straight up and I went, I'll have a pint of Cobra, please. And they went, yeah, all right then. I was like, Oh, get in. And then we just stood on the street and watched streams and streams of thousands of people come yeah. past with and, a beer. And we were doing that. We were doing that beforehand. We were doing, it was exactly the same before. Because I, I got there and I was like, it's going to be dead busy. And I walked up and, and he kept Mr. Moore. That's right, Mr. Sim. Um, Mr. Moore comes out. He goes, ah, shut me hand. And I've only just got there. I was, oh. 
and uh, he goes, "Are you friends with these two?" And of course, big, big fish and uh, and, and big Trev. Fish is seven foot. I'm yeah, say I remember seven. him being absolutely massive. Got to be seven. And then Trev is about six seven. So these are two big guys. I mean, I'm five six on a good day. So basically, it's it's quite funny, really. I mean, walking around Copenhagen with these two. I mean, crikey, Riley. Um, and good old Lalo's not much taller than me, anyway. But um, anyway, we. <laughs> so there I am talking to them, and I walk up, I walk up to them, and there they are, and I said, right, we we can get a drink here. Don't go around the side. Just ask here at the at the corner bit, and you'll get served straight away. And I looked at Mister Moore, and he just went nodded his head like yes, as if. I daren't say no, even though these two are ginormous and the most friendliest people of all time. But he's obviously just got quite scared. He's like, yeah, yeah. And and, and Fishy's like, we're getting tremendous service here. So that's why <laughs> I think he was just completely intimidated. So even though there was a there was a massive, massive queue, we just walked up and went and that was it. And it was it was <laughs> it was fantastic. And we had a tab and it was just, you know. We know I've never seen them before. I've never been there before in my life. I've never been back. To be perfectly honest, it's just you know I should really go back. Do you remember me? But um, yeah, that day that, again, there's little things. Everyone will have their own uh, their own their own stories. But um, and then I, it took until the evening the next day to realise that my car's still at the shires. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, to be honest, that night I remember, I, went, go, go I remember going back. I remember going back to the shire to get the car, and there was a few people. And I swear that I mean, obviously they probably weren't, but they looked like they were in the same boat as me, as if this has been here for a good twenty-four hours. <laughs> yeah, I went out um, that night into to Leicester till God knows what hour. Um, my voice was very hoarse, and you know, in a in in a bar, right, where everyone is in such high spirits, because let's face it. Pretty much the entirety of Leicester and Leicestershire were out that night. A quarter of a million people or so at the at the parade. Um, in a bar, when you've had a few and other people have had a few, trying to convince people that I was from a relatively legitimate podcast and that I wanted to chat to them quickly with my phone as a dictaphone just to get their thoughts on the day and the season, sometimes didn't go down very well. Um, but <laughs> but sometimes it went down an absolute treat, and they'd sort of and um, they, if they didn't believe me, I'd give them the podcast Twitter handle and I'd say, look, look us up. I will put your voice clip in it if you don't swear. Um, and I'll tell you what, if you if you get a minute or you, you've become really sentimental or nostalgic listening to this 100th episode as we have, scroll back on, on SoundCloud down to uh, episode 41. Uh, and that was the, uh, it was called a, the, the Season of Our Lives, I think it's called. Hang on, let me just have a look. Uh, where are we? It's called yeah, iTunes. It'll be on, be on iTunes yeah. as well. On, uh, on iTunes on Apple, as well. Apple Podcasts on your phone. On whatever, on whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Episode 41. It's in two parts. It's entitled The Season of Our Lives. Um, and on there, it is just everything and more that we could ever capture from that season. Uh, and on some of it, there are. I, I had to take my questions out of the voice clips that actually got published because... I was relatively slurry. Let me let me be perfectly honest. Um, so I just thought I'd leave that to the good old members of public in of Leicester to to slur for me. But if you spoke to me that night, or if you just want to to reminisce on that season, because we have now wrapped up our 
our top 10 each is. Uh, and we've come and culminated and peaked at this moment as Leicester City's entire history will peak at this moment. I'm convinced of it. Uh, and what a pleasure. This is, this is it. Yeah, this what a pleasure a it level. what a pleasure it is to to be living in that time to have experienced it um in a personal and professional way as we did. Um but if you're feeling nostalgic or you only started listening to the podcast uh, a few episodes ago or whatever, go back to episode 41, relive it all through our eyes and our voices um and just enjoy it because I think this episode, whilst it wasn't quite the all singing, all dancing, celebratory episode that maybe we thought it might be uh, a few weeks ago, it kind of has put everything into perspective. You know, this afternoon doing the the, the background for it, looking back at what has, has what has happened in the three and a half years or so uh, since we've been lucky enough that people have kept on clicking play on our podcast to enable us to keep putting out episodes. I'm just extremely grateful and glad to have experienced it all, culminating in Leicester winning the Premier League title uh, and to be sharing all this, Pete, with you, with everybody else that's been on the podcast, with everybody that's ever contributed or ever listened or or every Leicester fan going. You know, it's it's an absolute privilege. Um, we really enjoy it. We we thank you very much. We we've We've had a great three and a half years. Here's to the next 100 episodes, that's all I'll say. Yeah, I I completely agree. Again, it's it's a thanks to all the listeners because without listeners, there's no podcast. And I know that's a very easy and possibly cheesy thing to say, but if we don't see the listenership at a certain level every week or even go higher and higher all the time, which we like, but if we don't see those listenership levels as they are, then we won't do it because if we're not talking to anyone, there's no point in, in, in doing a podcast. And like I said, it's great that that we've got to this level um and also i mean i'd like to say thanks to rob because he actually puts it together he's the one who actually uploads it and i've i've got um another podcast that i've i've plugged before drinking with fear if you want to uh listen to that uh have a go uh on the old uh on the old podcast app of your choice and find that but i have to upload that and, and edit it so now i understand what Rob has done for a hundred episodes, so uh, so thanks to Rob really for for uploading and making sure everything kind of is together and putting the sound on in the right places. Apart from two episodes ago at the beginning, uh, <laughs> we don't um, talk about that. No, let me no, just jump in and that. say what thank happened? you, Pete, because you yeah, look after the majority of the social media, uh, all the graphic design kind of elements. Um, it's kind of like you're the creativity behind the brand, and I'm the. Uh, I'm the one that sort. I'm the fixer, if you like, and and it, it, we've worked in tandem for as we've worked out pr- pretty much a hundred episodes, give or take a couple here or there. Um, but I mean, it, it's it's always been a pleasure and never been a chore. And I think the second that we stopped enjoying it, not that I think we ever will, but the second that we stopped enjoying each other's company or enjoying talking about Leicester City, then there would be no podcast. And here we are, like a happily married couple. 100 episodes in so thank you as well for keeping social media going and keeping us in touch with everybody out there outside of podcast recording times yeah well no problem at all it's been um and also if you look at the look at the clubs that we could have been supporting and what a what a dull 100 episodes it could have been but um i suppose the final thing really is just to go over a few things that we, we do go over every week if you want to get in contact with the podcast email us for fox 8 podcast at gmail.com we're on facebook just search for, for fox 8 podcast uh, again 
We're on many different platforms, SoundCloud and also on Apple iTunes, basically the uh, the podcast app on your iPhone. If you click on that and then it will come up straight away and it will automatically download when we upload a new episode. Any thoughts and suggestions, let us know. You can get a hold of us on Twitter at FFS pod. If you want to, uh, to direct messages, of course you can do. Um, any suggestions about the future episodes, let us know. Um and that's about it. Again, I'll just mention what Rob said a, a few minutes ago. Not quite the episode that we had for pla- had planned, obviously, but uh, for obvious reasons, it's not really been possible. And we will make the Christmas episode a big bonanza. I think we'll have to go full hog, really, on the old uh, Christmas episode. So uh, that's it for the 100th episode. Uh, we'll be back... Um, I, th- I think we can get one in before the next um, the next game. The next game will be Brighton away. And I think we can we can do a, a quick 20 to 25 minute whiz through actual general football. We could talk about the football, Rob, which would be nice actually over, you know, um, regarding uh, who's going to play what and where and how. And and, uh, and hopefully we'll be uh, back in 100 episodes time on episode 200. And we'll be doing what's happened from now until then. And if we've got half of a top 10 like we've just gone through then we'll be doing very well indeed. <laughs>